We are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. Welcome to Novel Feelings, where we discuss representations of mental health issues in fiction novels. Although this is our bonus episode and that's not exactly what we're doing today. No, today we are talking about our top books that we've read this year. So we're going to pick three books each, though we might have at least one overlap. Yeah, we definitely have one overlap. Yeah. (laughs) So talking about five books today, I think, in no particular order. Yeah, that's right. And they are not necessarily about mental health. They're just books that we've really enjoyed this year. We will also give some honourable mentions because it was an incredibly difficult task to narrow narrow down the list to just three. Unlike our normal episodes, we won't be going in depth into any of these books and we won't be talking about spoilers. So we're giving ourselves a bit of a break from our usual in-depth discussions. Yeah. But yeah, we just wanted an opportunity to sort of reflect on our own years of reading and to give a couple of recommendations. Yeah. And we will also reflect a little bit on our first season and talk about our plans for season two. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if you make it to the end, you can hear our little peek behind the curtain and (laughs) learn a little bit more about our recording process and what's coming up. Exciting stuff. Hey guys, editing Elise here. Just quickly interrupting to let you know that we had a few audio issues this episode. Essentially on my end, my backup microphone picked up everything and my good quality microphone picked up nothing. So look, I decided to keep it in as is because I really like the discussion that we had and you can still hear everything okay. I just sound a little bit crappier than normal. Anyway, we'll do our best to make sure we avoid this happening again in the future. All right, back to the episode. The first book that I wanted to talk about, so I'm already breaking the rules because I'm going to be talking about a series instead of a book, but I found it, you know, what am, I'm such a rebel, obviously, uh, <laughs> but I found it difficult to choose just one and I wanted to talk about this actual series. So the series I'm going to talk about is the Folk of the Air series by Holly Black. So this is a young adult uh, fantasy series. It's known colloquially as the Cruel Prince series um, because that's the first book. So Um, Just a little bit about this book. So just going to read out the synopsis. This book is about Jude, who was seven when her parents were murdered and she and her two sisters were stolen away to live in the treacherous high court of fairy. Ten years later, Jude wants nothing more than to belong there despite her mortality. But many of the fae despise humans, especially Prince Cardin, the youngest and wickedest son of the high king. To win a place at the court, she must defy him and face the consequences. As Jude becomes more embroiled in palace intrigues and deceptions, she discovers her own capacity for trickery and bloodshed. But as betrayal threatens to drown the courts of fairy in violence, Jude will need to risk her life in a dangerous alliance to save her sisters and fairy itself. So it's a bit of a vague synopsis, Mm -hmm. uh, but, (laughs) but essentially this book really surprised me um I'd heard of it Mm -hmm. for a couple of years but I'd never picked it up I think I actually mixed it up with another book in my head that I didn't particularly like so I thought I had read it before and it was only when I started looking into it that I realized that I hadn't and um a lot of people were recommending it if you like the Court of Thorns and Roses series Akatar that you might like 
The Cruel Prince. So I decided to pick it up this year. As you know, Priscilla, I've been on a bit of a fantasy romance rabbit hole this year. Just a little bit. Yeah, which I <laughs> which I call the uh, the what do I read after Akatar or the Akatar hangover reading list, um, which are mostly recommendations I've gotten from Reddit. Uh, mm. So there's so many conversations that are like, holy shit, what do I read after I finished reading Akatar because I've got a hole in my life and I don't know what to read. So <laughs> I found myself reading a lot of those and I'll give some honourable mentions at the end. But this is my favourite of the ones that I did read. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I borrowed this from the library originally. I read the first book really quickly in just a couple of days and then unfortunately my library didn't have copies, uh, hard copies of the other books in the series, so I ended up ordering the audio books and it was such a pain to wait for them because I couldn't download them immediately. <laughs> I had to wait a couple of weeks <laughs> for each of them. And at the end I actually decided just to buy the whole box set and with the novella coming out this year as well, so there's an illustrated novella which was released mm just in November. So I ended up ordering them all because I just know I'm going to read them again. I liked them that much. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I liked about them, so I found this book had really amazing fantasy world building and was quite different to other books that I have read that are fantasies. So it's very much a dark fairy tale. So there's a lot of elements that are aligned with traditional fairy tales um, in terms of the types of creatures and Um, Mm -hmm. the mythologies around it but it's also it does get really dark so it's a really violent world and there's so much like betrayal and bloodshed and just the culture is so different to our culture and the the protagonist is a human who was taken away from the human world in modern times so they actually intersperse this this fairy tale world with the modern human world and there's so many great details that come in so for example Jude, who's I think 17 at the start of the first book, mm-hmm. she goes back into the human world to visit her sister, her older sister, who's a full uh, full fae, full-blooded fae, but she chooses mm-hmm. to live in the human world because she prefers it there. And whenever she goes to visit, she stocks up on things like tampons and human underwear because they're much more practical and the fairy folk don't have like the same bodily functions that humans do so there's no real Mm. yeah she's had to make all these adjustments to live in this world and a lot of it is trying to be fae while still being a human so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really interesting world that Jude finds herself in and she's got big like Slytherin vibes as well so (laughs) (laughs) trying to like she's very she's very cunning and Mm. there's so there's so many morally gray characters in this book I love it um and at the center of this is a really great and intriguing enemies to lovers romance like proper enemies to lovers (laughs) as well Mm. which I found myself really enjoying and look these books could have been twice as long and I would have been happy um my only real criticism of the stories overall is that they they were a tad rushed so each of the books is probably only about 300 pages I honestly could have read a much longer series but it was really great that the novella came out this year because that was such a great add-on to the series which you know has wrapped up it is a nice like three three book sort of plot but Mm. yeah that was a nice little bonus to get um, one of the other characters Carden's perspective on a lot of the things that happen throughout the series yeah yeah this is one of those series that I have passed on to Priscilla and force (laughs) plan to force you to read it whenever you do get an opportunity (laughs) summer holiday is coming (laughs) look in terms of some of the other books fantasy books that I've read this one is much easier to read like it's very 
it is oh, it is shorter and it is more of a kind of straightforward plot and it is more in that young adult rather than that like high fantasy or mm-hmm. new adult fantasy realm but yeah I just I really enjoyed it this was my first recommendation for the year awesome well I do look forward to reading it so my first book recommendation is called It's Been a Pleasure, Nonny Blake by Claire Christian. So I will read the synopsis. Nonny didn't expect to be starting over again at the age of 36. But 18 months after the end of her long-term relationship, she knows it's time to find out what's next. While an encounter with a sexy blonde firefighter is a welcome entry back into the dating world, Nonny soon realizes She's looking for more than just a series of brief, if pleasurable, encounters. That's how she finds herself traveling to Europe to track down the one that got away, the alluring, elusive Molly. But Europe has other surprises in store, not least of which is Bo, a tall, sexy tattooist from Edinburgh. It's a bit of a long story about how I came to find this book. So back in January 2020... 50 million years ago now. Yeah, it's been about 60 months this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a really terrible, you know, that terrible bushfire happening across Australia. So on Twitter, authors pulled together to raise funds for the firefighters. That was called hashtag authors for fireies. Hmm. I remember saying that around Twitter as well. Yeah. So authors offered different things for people to bid on and the money goes straight to their charity of choice. Claire Christian was auctioning a dedication, I think, to her next novel, which was this, Nonny Blake. And I wanted to donate anyway, and this was the one that caught my eye. So I bid for it and I won. Ah, that's cool. So is this book dedicated to you? Well, it doesn't say my name, but it says to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a bit of a cop out, but I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't know me. Like she shouldn't. She shouldn't have to write. You know, she shouldn't have to dedicate that exactly to me. I suppose. <laughs> I guess, but like that would have been my interpretation of the uh, the prize that it would say to Priscilla or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. We know that it's dedicated to you. That's book. right. <laughs> um, she also gave me the a physical arc of the book, which is really lovely. That is the story of how I came across this book. And I think I read it really quickly as well, because it's just like this really lovely rom-com, I suppose, but in book form. And what I find most incredible about it is that when this book talks about pleasure and Nani's quest for pleasure, it's not about just the materialistic sort of pleasure that people might think about. Yeah, you know, You go to Europe and you have good sex and you eat really good food. But it's also about the kind of things that nourish your soul and lift your your confidence. The sort of things that you might not do before because you're afraid of judgment or you don't have confidence for it. So for example, you might want to wear a really beautiful dress, but you think you don't have the body for it or people might judge you for wearing it. So you don't. Mm. Choosing pleasure means that, you know, you do put it on and if you feel good in it, you get it. It seems really simple, but it also seems groundbreaking at the same time. It made me think about, you know, how often I don't choose the things that would bring me pleasure. 
because mm. of one reason or another. There's also a huge amount of heartbreak actually in the book, not only about the breakup that was mentioned in the synopsis, but also other things that I will not spoil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Nani's been through a lot. So that is a further motivation for her to go on this journey to find, um, redefine what matters to her. I also really love the casual mentions of therapy and how to cope with panic attacks. Noni had, I think, quite a few throughout the course of the book. She took deep breaths and she referred to the things that she's learned from therapy. And I really appreciate that, you know, especially given this podcast. Um, I appreciate any normalization of mental health issues and therapy. I know we said in this at the start of this episode that we wouldn't be talking necessarily about mental health mm-hmm. books, but so many contemporary novels have mm-hmm. some incorporation of mental yeah. health issues into their story anyway. So yeah, yeah, it's it's really great to see. Yeah, that's right. And I think just because of I am who I am, you know, I tend to pick up on representations of mental health anyway. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Elise, you might find me, you know, casually <laughs> forcing this book onto you in the next few months. <laughs> I'm still making my way through the books that you gave me a couple of months ago. So <laughs> we'll get there eventually. But it does sound good. As we've said before, you, we always recommend books that we, we tend to enjoy. So mm. the books that I have read that you've lent me, I've yeah, have have always been like four to five stars in my experience. <laughs> yeah, and same to you as well. What is your next recommendation? Yes, my next recommendation is an Australian young adult book called Amelia Westlake by the author Erin Goff. Uh, this was a book that you lent me, so you'll know <laughs> all about this one. Yeah, great segue. <laughs> So this book I had seen on bookshelves and was quite curious about, but I didn't know the plot of this book at all until I picked it up. So this was like kind of walking into a cinema blind Mm. and just (laughs) sitting and watching the first movie that you see. So Mm. yeah, it was a complete surprise to me what this book was like and I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I ended up really enjoying it. So Mm. the synopsis of this book, Harriet Price has the perfect life. She's a prefect at Rosemead Grammar, she lives in a mansion, and her gorgeous girlfriend is a future Prime Minister. So when she risks it all by creating a hoax to expose the school's many problems, with help from notorious bad girl, Will Everhart, no less, Harriet tells herself it's because she's seeking justice, and definitely not because she finds Will oddly fascinating. But as Will and Harriet's campaign heats up, it gets harder for them to remain sworn enemies, and to avoid being caught. As tensions burn throughout the school, how far will they go to keep their mission and their feelings for each other a secret? So this book is essentially a private school heist kind of mm-hmm. book. <laughs> so it's all about these two, I think, year 12 students who essentially get fed up with a lot of the, the politics and the hypocrisies that are happening at their private school. I suppose as somebody who went to private school, I related to a lot of the aspects of this book, although they are taken to more of an extreme, I suppose, in this mm. um, this novel. So, yeah, these, these two kind of very different characters um, end up having a series of pranks which mm. aim to dismantle the school's problematic behaviours and injustices, so such as 
shedding light on the like technological wastage that happens. So their school will just happily throw out a bunch of outdated computers that could be donated, for example, mm. or the fact that the school will go to great lengths to raise money for a new swimming pool but puts no effort into the day-to-day fundraising activities that are happening to actually mm. benefit people who are marginalised. Mm. Things like that I felt, yeah, that's that's pretty common in yeah. these types of schools, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, I really liked this book. I found it to be quite an enjoyable read and I really liked the two central characters who start off as quite stereotypical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got the perfect good girl, prefect Harriet, and then you've got the um, you know somewhat rebellious character, Will, um, and they sort of become this al- unlikely alliance. I also didn't know going into this book that there would, there would be a central queer romance. So although it is in the synopsis, uh, <laughs> that's, that's something that I didn't know and I, it was really nice, I suppose, to see that sort of mm-hmm. developing over time. Opposites attract, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book and I think it is, it's either been recently released in the US or it will be released in the US soon. I think in mm-hmm. the US it's called Amelia Westlake Was Never Here. Yeah. So, yeah, in case you're wondering, that's how you can find it in the US. The only reason it's not on my list is because I read it last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this was released in 2018. So um, mm. we're not talking about books that are specifically released in 2020, just books that we've read in 2020. I really enjoy the character developments for both Harriet and Will. This book is also quite feminist in that it's an all-girls school and it's about girls fighting for their rights or to write a flawed system. And I really love that. Yeah, and it's just, it's really fun. I remember just flying through it when I read it. Same. Um, very enjoyable and certainly would recommend. I won't say anything else though in case I'll spoil it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, my next recommendation is a book called The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. You know, as someone who says that she reads a lot of YA and fantasy. None of the books on my top three are YA or fantasy. (laughs) You did say that you've been reading a lot of romance this year though. That's true. So here's the synopsis for The Flat Share. Tiffy and Leon share a flat. Tiffy and Leon share a bed. Tiffy and Leon have never met. Tiffy Moore needs a cheap flat and fast. Leon Tui works nights and needs cash. Their friends think they're crazy, but it's the perfect solution. Leon occupies the one-bed flat while TV's at work in the day, and she has to run up the place the rest of the time. But with obsessive ex-boyfriends, demanding clients at work, wrongly imprisoned brothers, and of course, the fact that they still haven't met yet, they're about to discover that if you want the perfect home, you need to throw the rule book out the window. If you're a reader of fanfiction, or romance, then you're probably quite familiar with the trope of, oops, there's only one bed and there's two of us. What do we do about this? Even better when there's only one bed and it's freezing cold and they have to huddle together for work. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) A classic trope. (laughs) Exactly. I really like that trope. So I was like, ooh, this looks fun. And it is, it's a really fun and adorable take on that trope. As the synopsis says, they don't meet for a lot of the book but the way they communicate and the way that relationship grows so lovely 
And it's just there's just a lot of humor and heart in this book. There's also an excellent portrayal of gaslighting and its impact throughout the book as well. It's hard to describe unless you read it, but whenever the perpetrator shows up, I get this feeling my skin just crawls because I know he's just creepy is not the right word sneaky or you know he's always got a hidden agenda and whatever he's saying he's not innocent enjoy is the weird a weird word for it but I did enjoy the writing of that Mm. you can appreciate it even if it's not Mm. fluffy (laughs) that's right (laughs) I think it's done very well in that you could see the gaslighting in action and you can also see how it's left its mark on Tiffy and also how the people around her can see it, but she was caught up in it, so she didn't. And that's, from my understanding, is a pretty common experience. Hmm. Yeah, so that's a, that's a really interesting book. How did you come across that one? I'm pretty sure it was pretty popular, um, online at least. Mm. on book twitter and instagram but the reason i um i actually picked it up was because it was offered as an audiobook through my library and i had read the switch by beth o'leary before and i really loved that one too also as a side note there is a side character in the flat chair who's a counselor and he was initially introduced as quote a certified mind reader unquote and I was like, uh. no, <laughs> uh, we are not mind readers, people. That would make our jobs easier if we could do I know. that. <laughs> it would make life so much easier. The good thing is, though, throughout this book, he's actually not shown as a mind reader. Like, he doesn't know exactly what you're thinking before you say it. But he is a good listener and friend, and he pays attention to emotional subtleties of situations and people. And that's what we do. I would like to think. Yeah, even if it's not exactly mind reading. (laughs) Well, I think we've come to the one book that we agreed on. (laughs) That makes it sound like we disagreed about our other books. But no, we just, we happen to have one book that we both really enjoyed this year and wanted to both highlight as being in our top three. Yes. Also, you know, in keeping with our theme for all of these recommendations, you gave this book to me. So... (laughs) This Okay, so the book is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. I borrowed this from the library. I put it on hold ages before I actually got to read it because it had a massive queue that I had to wait for. <laughs> and then um, I finally got the book and read it in a weekend, messaged Priscilla to say, have you read this? <laughs> <laughs> and then we went into lockdown and the library's closed and we couldn't give it back. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to lend this to Priscilla temporarily uh, mm. because you don't have to get it back as quickly as we would normally have to. And then you read it and then we were both like, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the synopsis of this book, in the midst of a family crisis one late evening, white blogger Alex Chamberlain calls her African-American babysitter Amira, asking her to take toddler Briar to the local market for distraction. There, the security guard accuses Amira of kidnapping Briar, and Alex's efforts to right the situation turn out to be good intentions, selfishly mismanaged. Mm-hmm. That, again, doesn't really tell you a lot about the book, but it, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty accurate description of what happens. Mm. Yeah, so 
I really enjoyed this. This was definitely like an, a clear top three for me, this one. Yeah, same for me too. So I found it to be a real, a real page turner. And for something that touches on a lot of very serious and heavy topics, mm. I found it to be quite an easy read and quite entertaining. Mm. Um, and I found it to have like lots of unexpected twists and turns. So although you know, the synopsis is obviously about you know, a, a babysitter who's mistaken for kidnapping mm-hmm. a toddler. That actually all happens in the first one or two chapters of this yeah. book. And I found that I, I kind of went into it expecting the whole story to be about this incident and what happened afterwards. But that's only kind of the setup for a lot mm-hmm. of what goes on. So I found it to actually be a very interesting kind of subtle uh, discussion about the subtleties and the complexities of things like you know, racism and white feminism and, yeah, the the, the kind of idea of being mm. a white saviour. Yeah. And different points of view characters. So we've got Amira who is the babysitter. We've got Alex who is the white blogger, like a mummy blogger type mm. of character. <laughs> yeah, just, just really interesting, like their motivations and how mm. the situation impacts on both of them and how Alex in particular, <laughs> she... <laughs> She is sort of trying to portray herself in a particular light mm. um, to her friends, her family, her colleagues, and Instagram. On on the inside, she certainly has more selfish intentions than she would like everybody to know about. Yeah, oh, she's vacuous. I feel like it's the best word for it in my mind. Anyway, there was one line in this book that actually made me go oh my god out loud because it was that bad (laughs) yeah is it a spoiler if you say what it is i think so it's that thanksgiving line don't put that in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah just the the whole like virtue signaling aspect of this i thought was so interesting but it doesn't portray alex as being a straight up villain and it doesn't portray Amira as being a straight up victim either. No. But I think it's a sort of situation that I could imagine happening very easily in this day and age. Mm. Uh, I definitely know people like Alex <laughs> who would mm. act in that particular way. It was really, really interesting, I thought. It was. Almost deceptively breezy, I suppose. But when you stop and think about it there are a lot of sort of internal thoughts or relationship dynamics that are happening the parts that stood out the most were Amira's relationship with Briar in comparison to Alex's relationship with Briar yeah I loved the relationship between Amira and Briar I thought it was it was very sweet and such a contrast yeah which makes it really sad like who's the mom in this situation yeah who's the one who's showing unconditional love yeah, and who's picking the Instagram-friendly version of their child sort of thing. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Definitely. In terms of the reading experience, 
will definitely recommend reading it and I hope it continues to get some of the accolades that it's been having. I know it just won yeah. the Goodreads, um, one of the Goodreads Awards, I think, mm-hmm. for the debut novel. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading more by Kylie Reid. Yeah, it would be great to see what she comes up with next. Okay. I think it's time for our honourable mentions. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. So I read 60 books this year. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thanks, lockdown. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of those books were romance books and I get through those really quickly. Okay. So some of my honourable mentions are a romance series by... Tessa Dare called Girl Meets Duke. This is the year that cemented Tessa Dare as my go-to author. (laughs) She does not disappoint with her romances. She has a lot of other books as well, but this series is the one that stuck with me this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is a book called One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. This is about a plus-size fashion blogger who gets to start in a reality show a la The Bachelorette. It made me cry and it's good exploration of insecurities and fat phobia as well. And I also recommend, which is apparently the only YA book that I'm recommending in this (laughs) episode, strangely enough, uh, Frankly in Love by David Yoon. It's marketed as a fake dating book. I would recommend you not to expect this book to be about fake dating completely because in my opinion, this book is really about family and culture and being a child of immigrants and not fully understanding your parents and where they come from. Mm. What about you, Elise? What are your honorable mentions? Okay, so um, I read, I've read about 40 books this year. So not quite as many as you, but I am still like, that's still above my average for the last couple of years. So Mm. lockdown, lockdown baby. Uh, (laughs) So um, I, I had a lot of like four star books this year. So Mm. I had trouble kind of narrowing down as well, which ones I wanted to talk about, but the honorable mentions I will give. So I just wanted to mention the rest of the Akatar hangover list. (laughs) So First of all, I finally finished the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Mass. Mm. So I started reading that a few years ago. I read the first three and I kind of stopped there. I think I read the, the third one too slowly after too long of a break and I couldn't really remember much about what was happening. So mm. I was a bit lost and then I put it down for too long. <laughs> um, towards the end of last year, I picked it up again and I read probably the first three at the end of last year and then the last few this year Mm. and I really enjoyed it um Mm. it's you know similar to Akatar uh but probably more of like a complex world and has less of a central romance and more point of view characters so definitely recommend then there is From Blood and Ash by Jennifer Armentrout so this is a I'd say new adult romance fantasy about a woman named Poppy who is put aside as being the maiden for her uh, her kingdom mm-hmm. and she's essentially forced to be this like symbol of virginity and purity and things get complicated when she meets uh, her new palace guard hawk who is mm-hmm. very attractive <laughs> of course it's a fun like sexy kind of read there's a lot of steam going on yeah. in this book <laughs> um and jennifer armentrout 
pumps out books super quickly. She's very pro- very prolific writer. So I'm pretty sure From Blood and Ash was only released at the start of 2020. And then the second book, Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, came out in either in the middle of the year or towards the end of 2020. Oh, wow. And then the third book in the series is due to come out, I believe, in April. And they're all like hefty kinds of books oh, wow. with a lot going on. So I don't know how she does it. That's amazing. I definitely recommend them. The next book on the list is Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mahurin. Apologies if I said that incorrectly. So this is a fantasy book that's heavily French inspired. Um, It's all about witches. I really enjoyed the first one, although I wasn't a big fan of the second one, um, but still keen to read book three when that comes out. Mm. And then finally, Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood, which is Sarah J. Mass's most recent book. And it's a contemporary uh, new adult fantasy novel with um, a lot of different fantasy characters going on and about a half-fae named Bryce and Mm -hmm. what happens after the death of her closest friends. That's the fantasy romance (laughs) reading list that I found myself on. I I did also want to give an honourable mention to the Scythe series um, by Neil Shusterman, which was a recommendation from Priscilla. So Mm -hmm. I read the first book in the series last year and the final two books in the series this year. As an overall series, I found it really clever. So this is essentially about a world where death has been stopped, but in order to curb population growth from getting too extreme, certain people have to act as sides, which are kind of like grim reapers. And the series follows two young sides as they undergo their training. It's meant to be a utopia. And then you see that actually... Utopia has its own issues. The first book in the series was like five stars for me. The other two I didn't like quite so much, but still really interesting, really, really well written. I'll mention my final book on my honorable mentions, uh, Michelle Obama's biography, Becoming. Mm. So I really admire Michelle Obama mm-hmm. and I listened to the audiobook of this. Uh, and I found it to be a really great experience because she does narrate the audiobook. So it just feels incredibly personal and intimate. I thought it was a really considered biography mm-hmm. and yeah. a really great peek into what happened leading up to the Obama administration as well as what's, what life was like during and afterwards. Yeah, I agree. I read this book last year and I found it to be really fascinating well i think that wraps up our recommendations yeah between the two of us we've read over 100 books this year go us <laughs> oh i guess if there is anything good about lockdown apart from the fact that it did stop the spread of the fires um at least in australia yeah in, yeah in melbourne it gave me time to pause and dive back into something that i really love doing but didn't always have time for I think for me, reading has never really been purely about time because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've never been the sort of reader that reads like 150 books a year anyway. Mm -hmm. I know some people are like that and I have great admiration (laughs) for people who do read that much. Hi, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Alex, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of our friends, Alex, who reads an amazing amount of books each year. Uh, But look... For me, I think it's more about motivation and concentration rather than just purely being about time. So Mm. the pandemic this year really affected my concentration and my ability to stay on task. 
So mm. that did mean that I've gone through periods of time where I just could not get into reading. Um, mm. I couldn't concentrate on much. I, I could barely like finish a 20 minute episode of a fluffy TV series mm. without checking my phone 20 times. I, I think for me, it's been more about the types of books I've been reading and sort of waxing and waning motivation to read. So <laughs> lockdown has given us the gift, I guess, in a way of more time, but the ability to utilize that time, I think has really differed from person to person mm. and depending on what else is going on in your life. So yes, mm. I did read more than usual, but for me it was in bursts and that's why I found myself going down the fantasy romance rabbit hole because that's what the books that yeah. I've been attracted to this year and that have held my attention. Mm. I don't think I, you know, I haven't read a single quote unquote classic book this year because I just mm-hmm. cannot bring myself to, you know, to read in an older English style. In a similar vein, I suppose, the reason this was my year of romance novels is because I didn't want to read anything sad or dark or complicated, given what the real world was already offering. I sought escape, I suppose, in that, you know, promise of a happily ever after and just fluffy, warm love, I suppose. That in yeah. in those books, hmm. yeah, same. And you know, there've been certain certainly books on really important uh, nonfiction yeah. topics that have come out this year. So, for example, the book "See What You Made Me Do" by Jess Hill, mm. which is about violence and misogyny. I do want to read that, but I haven't been able to bring myself to read it just yet. I will eventually. I think, you know, we do what we can do to get us through a pandemic, to get us through lockdown. That's going to look different and there's no one way to do it, I suppose. No, absolutely. You know, read trashy romance if you want to. You know, I did. So, (laughs) you know, whatever gets you through. Yeah. And we also both have pretty intense jobs. So, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've been like this for as long as I've been working in the field of mental health, mm. my downtime I want to spend doing things that are enjoyable to me. Yeah, and it doesn't mean I won't ever read things on heavier topics or watch TV series about heavy topics or anything like that. I could go into a whole other discussion, I suppose, about what it's like to have been working in mental health during a pandemic, but that's another topic for another day. I did want to steal some time in this bonus episode to actually talk about what the season has been like for us and the process of recording um, and launching the podcast. Mm. It's been... It's a learning curve for me. It's definitely been a learning curve, I think. We both made the decision to launch the podcast probably about six months, five to six months before we actually launched Mm -hmm. the podcast in November 2020. We've already talked about how it came to be and so on in our introduction, so I won't go over that again. But there is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to try to actually Mm. get this up on board. So, you know, timing-wise, we do have to read each book before we record the episode and we Mm. both work slash study full-time. Yeah. Actually getting to the point where we're both able to read the books, particularly for some of the books that we might not have enjoyed as much as others or books that are longer and more involved and just naturally take a bit longer to get through so yeah. look that it, it takes quite a bit of preparation time before we record 
Mm. And then there's all the work that goes into it after we record as well. So we don't outsource. So at the moment I do all the editing, um, which is a process and both of us are involved with listening to and sort of approving the final cut of the episode. Mm. But it takes at least four to five times as long as the actual recording process to finalize editing. Yeah. And then after we launch it, there's the promoting and keeping social media active, which is fun, but it's still work and time as well. And we also had to do work on other things associated with the podcast before we could get launched, such as doing all the the logo design um, and the graphic design. Yeah. I feel like maybe once we've got templates and setups, things will take a lot less time. Yeah. There's also the blog posts, which um, you do the majority of writing for, mm-hmm. and that takes a while to sort of research and to find links and resources and so on. Yeah. I suppose that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy these things. I've got to say, I've definitely enjoyed the process. Mm-hmm. I found it very fulfilling yeah. and have really liked putting our voices to something like this and starting to grow listeners and Mm. to network with other people in the book blogging community and the book podcasting community too. Yeah, I've really appreciated how kind people have been about welcoming us into the communities. Yeah, and it's good to know, you know, the people who listen to us are not just people who know us. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'd still say that for the first couple of months I suppose of the podcast I would expect the majority of our listens to be people within our immediate networks but I know it's already starting to grow beyond that immediate network which is really nice to see and I don't expect all of our friends and family to be loyal listeners anyway they might not be the the key target audience (laughs) no um but we do appreciate it when you tune in oh definitely you know it's so important to I guess share this with anyone you know who might be interested um Mm -hmm. to interact with us on social media even if it's just you know liking one of our posts or something if you do want to support our podcast there are some really meaningful ways you can do it and it's not just about listening Mm -hmm. yeah it is you know the way I described this podcast to one of my friends was this was the perfect Venn diagram of my nerdiness (laughs) You know, you and I share that Venn diagram. <laughs> and, and if you, listener, know other people who share the same Venn diagram, then maybe you can share this podcast with them. And just briefly in terms of our plans for the future. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, we are, we've obviously wrapped up season one, which was six episodes plus this bonus episode. Mm-hmm. And we are planning for season two. Yay. Um, yay. So we, we weren't completely sure at the start whether we would, but it's looking very likely that we will, assuming, of course, that we can yeah. do it in between all of our other responsibilities. And as we've flagged, it does take quite a while to prepare for each of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I can't give an exact timeline about when we will be launching the season two, but I would I'd sort of say you could expect six episodes again in a season two in maybe six months' time. That's sort of what I'm aiming for. Yeah. And once again, we'll cover one book per episode and a range of different genres, some recent, some older, some featuring younger protagonists, some featuring adults, 
probably you know some fantasy again uh, or dystopian books like there's so many different genres we can cover Mm. as well as different mental health issues so we'll try to make sure that we have a range of different voices and experiences represented in our books yeah and in the meantime we will hopefully upload a few bonus episodes um we've got some pretty fun ideas so watch the space we're also hoping to get some other voices on the podcast moving forward so for example uh having a few guest appearances would be great Mm. or maybe even some author interviews but no Mm. promises just yet we're in very early planning stages yeah we are but we are very excited for what's to come all right well that will wrap us up for today thank you once again for listening to our ramblings about (laughs) books (laughs) So it's probably a little bit more rambly than usual, but, you know, it's a bonus episode, whatever. It's our podcast. We can do what we want to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So please, please like, subscribe, follow us on social media, all of that stuff, you know, and that will help you to sort of stay connected and to know when we do release any new episodes, um, especially because I can't guarantee when they're coming out just yet. So if you if you do want to know when we do post again please remember to follow us so that you do get those notifications yeah you can also check out our website novelfeelings.com we post an episode summary and links to further reading for each episode you can also visit our mental health resources page to learn more about getting support for yourself or somebody you care about or to learn more about mental health in general and if you'd like please remember to leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts And if you want to contact us directly and ask us a question or just to chat, you can send us a message via our website or on social media. At the moment, we are on social media at novel underscore feelings. So we are now on Instagram too. We weren't on Instagram when we first started, but we have been on for a couple of weeks now. So please remember to follow us on Instagram as well as Twitter and Goodreads. So once again, that is novel underscore feelings. And you can also find me online. I am at Pave with Books with an extra S at Instagram. All right, so hope you all have had a lovely Christmas or a lovely holiday period, whatever you might be celebrating. Yeah. We got through 2020. Well done, everybody. Ooh. Here's to a much better 2021. Oh, God, can it be any worse? No, oh. wait, scrap that. <laughs> Whenever someone says that in a movie, it does get worse. Oh God. If you are in lockdown, I hope you're traveling okay. And I really hope that things get better for everybody in 2021 with whatever you may be coping with personally. So I hope you have a great new year and here is to a much more pleasant 2021. Keep reading. Cheers to that. (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone. Take care. Bye.